0: Our lesson this morning is gonna come from the book of Ezekiel, reading from, for our key text this morning, Ezekiel chapter 37, looking at verses one through six. Here the Bible says, A hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And And behold, there were very many in the open valley, And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I'll put sinews on you and bring bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live then you shall know that I am the Lord." We all have heard, I'm sure many times, various lessons from Ezekiel 37 about the dry bones or the valley of dry bones. And when I read through this, sometimes I think about how we often like a good comeback story or a good underdog story because we look in chapter 37, these dry bones were just that, they weren't doing anything. They were there in the open valley doing nothing. One of my favorite movies of all time, there's many of them, but one of them that I really enjoyed the most is one entitled Hoosiers from back in 1986 or so, about a very small high school basketball team in Indiana who, at one point, had about eight players on their team. And they weren't expected to do really anything. If you're familiar with that movie, you know they end up going to the state championship and winning the whole big thing. But they were not expected to do that. You know, sometimes we hear things like that and they call it a Cinderella story in the sense that it was unexpected, it wasn't something that should have really took place, but that's exactly what happened. We look at Ezekiel 37, we think about this valley of dry bones, there really shouldn't be anything that should happen to them because dry bones, typically, we see them out in the wild, you're out in the woods, you see a dead animal and you see the bones there, you don't expect anything to happen, you expect them to stay right where they are. But Ezekiel 37, as we're going to find here, this is a vision that that Ezekiel has that God is showing him to uh, really bring out some things concerning the people of Israel. So let's begin by looking at Ezekiel's observation and his attitude as you look at the verses 1 and 2 here, and we'll add verse 3 in a moment, looking at what he sees. We notice first, going back again to Ezekiel chapter 37, looking at verses 1 and 2, he says, A hand of the Lord came upon me, and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. Now, this is not a literal valley, it's just this is a vision that we're gonna find later. It begins to tell them, tell him what these things represent. The Bible says in verse one, and it was full of bones. Well, one of the things that stands out to me as you look at verse one, or to me, verse two rather, is this is happening in an open valley. If it's an open valley, does that mean anyone can see in no, we understand this is a vision, but if it's an open valley it would imply that everyone can see their state, right? It's done out openly. Think about this for a moment. If you are struggling spiritually, you may be able for a time to conceal those things, but will it eventually start to come to the surface? We think about how many times we go through very difficult things in our life, and sometimes we conceal them, maybe only for a few days, maybe for a few months, but eventually those things come to the surface. We understand of course that god always knows our own condition he knows it before we do oftentimes if we even recognize it in our own lives what's going on within us but we think about here in ezekiel 37 verses 1 and 2. he says here in verse 1 that he sat down he says he sent me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones that, that picture there is he's sitting down and there's just this valley full of bones all around him then in verse 2 he tells him he causes him now to pass by them all around And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. Dry bones, at least in my mind, it seemed to imply they were about to become very brittle if they haven't already. Dry bones don't last very long, they begin to become very, uh, very much breakable and fragile. We think about our own struggles in a spiritual sense. Do our struggles make us fragile? If we allow ourselves to overcome with things in our lives, it puts us in danger of having greater things come upon us. If we are not as faithful to God as we should be, does it make us more vulnerable to other things? If God is not first in our lives, what other things begin to become less important? In a spiritual way, everything. Sometimes, as we've talked about many times before, that when we start having spiritual difficulties for whatever reason, maybe we're just worried about things, we're not as faithful as we should be, that we start to struggle with things as simple as Bible reading or attendance or praying to God. Now, I really enjoy that song, Did You Think to Pray? because sometimes we don't, we don't think to pray. As we find here in verses one and two, this valley is, this vision, this valley of dry bones is showing these individuals, as we'll talk about a little bit later, are in a very grave state. We find in verse 3 of Ezekiel chapter 37, he says here, as we look at the attitude of, of Ezekiel, the question is asked, the Bible says, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. I think about that Those that question his response. Can these bones live? First of all, I think about who is asking that question. God can God do anything is he capable of doing anything that he desires absolutely Genesis 1 verses chapter 1 and chapter 2 tells us that I mean if he can create the whole world in six days can he cause bones to live yeah he did much more with nothing at all didn't he we find here in verse 3 he says son of man can these bones live so answered oh Lord God you know we can look at it as saying well God you think you anything is possible or you look at by by as Ezekiel saying God, that's up to you. God can cause those bones to live. But because we're talking about people, as we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, God does many things in our lives for us in the sense that he provides for us many blessings. He gives us a way to have heaven as our home. But you know, to every side, there is the opposite side as well, isn't there? There's the other side, I should say. There is what God, has, what God is willing to do for us and what man is willing to do for God. You know, in order for the dry bones to come back, as begins we're talking about later, we're talking about the the people of Israel, wouldn't they want to would they have to have the desire to come back to God? You know, those who need to be restored have to first have the desire to be restored. Those who do not want to be restored, they won't then they won't be restored. Those who need to have heaven as their home but are not willing to do what's necessary to to, to obtain that, will they have heaven as their home? No because we have to do things as well. God does so much for us, but friends, we must do our part as well. But as we see here in verse three, the final question is simply, can these bones live? Well, yes, they can live. That's the easy question to answer. Yes, they can, if God desires for them to live. And if the people are willing. Let's continue looking here next in verse four and following, find the prophecy to these dry bones. And it's very interesting to me that as this restoration you might call it begins begins you'll find in verse 4 the first thing it begins with is with the Word of God because every restoration every problem solution every solution any problem begins with God's Word it doesn't begin with what I think what I feel what you believe it begins with what God's Word says because if God's Word does not have that authority in our lives we can forget about any problem ever being solved let's look at verse 4 the message in verse 4 of Ezekiel 37 again he said to me "Prophesy to these bones he said to them all oh, dry bones hear what the word of the Lord that was where the changing factor begins the word of the Lord thus says the Lord God of these bones surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live we think about that in verse 4 and 5 What's going to happen? They are going to live. Why? Because it is His Word. God has said it. It's going to happen. God has never allowed a single promise to fall flat. Mankind many times has failed to fulfill their end of what God requires of them and so they don't get to enjoy the blessings of what God has promised to them. It's not that God hasn't kept their, His promises, it's that mankind hasn't kept His Word. Remember what happened when Moses? a certain rock instead of speaking to it realize at that point it wasn't god he wasn't keeping his word when you tell moses you cannot go in it was moses who didn't keep his word by being disobedient he was told to speak and he decided to hit the rock instead you don't get to go in we think about verse 4 and 5 the word of the lord is that changing power is where it begins he says surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live what is the word of the word, word of the Lord here verse 5 begins with surely doesn't it surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live I'll put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live then you shall know that I am the Lord we think about this idea as we look here in verses 5 and 6 As he tells them what he's going to do. He's going to bring them back to life. It's like a decaying person pictured in reverse, isn't it? They're coming back to life. He says, I will put sinews on you and bring bring flesh upon you. Cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live. The idea of just reversing the process. Bring them back to where they ought to be where God wants them to be. He says there in verse 6, Then... You shall know that i am the lord why because god said he was he would do these things god will do these things and so when these things take place they can know that god is the lord he is a keeper of his word we think about this as we'll talk about a little bit later how this is a reference to god's people we have to realize in order for god's people to be restored they have to have again that heart and that desire to be restored The ideas and the phrases such as I believe, I think, or I like my way, those crowds are not rebellious, or excuse me, those crowds really are rebellious, but not penitent. Those who are not penitent, those who are not humble enough to make their lives right so they can be restored, will never find restoration. Look at verse seven through 10. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. So, what's happening? This is a fulfillment of God's word. Now, this is a, again a vision here by Ezekiel, or to Ezekiel, that he is seeing, but this is going to come to fruition as we'll get a little bit later on about verse 11. But what's happening, exactly what God said would happen the bones come together. The sinews come up, the skin comes up, the breath is not yet in them, but look at verse nine. Also said, he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy to of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, <clears throat> O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet, and exceedingly great army. Verse 11 tells us and following this it is a reference to the people of Israel. Were they literally dead? No. But he's going to talk about they felt like they had no hope, that they were cut off, and so they were spiritually dead. They were doing nothing. They were in this state of great despair. But we find here in verse 9 and 10, it's, it's interesting how this breath, this this source of life comes from where? These four winds comes from God, right? You notice there in verse verse 9 and 10, this is, you know, Ezekiel is commanded to do what? To speak only the words that God gave him to speak, and that's what he did. Look at verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, meaning I said exactly what God told me to say, which excludes anything less and excludes anything more. He didn't say, no, oh breath, come and take the No, he didn't say that. He said exactly what God told him to say there in verse 9. He says in verse 10, And what happens? Breath came into them. You know, when we do what God tells us to do, amazing things happen, like blessings. When we follow God and His Word and do what He tells us to do, we get exactly what He promises us, and that is security, assurance, blessings from Him. But when we don't, we can expect exactly the opposite. But here, He is speaking exactly the words of God. God is keeping His Word and what happened. The Bible tells us that breath came into them, they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now let's look more closely at this scene. Looking at verse 11. <clears throat> then he said to me, son of man, these bones, he goes back to the bones. Notice that, not to the army. He goes back to the bones. I mean, this is what's going to happen, but it has not yet happened, right? Right. These bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. He's saying this is what could happen if they are willing, right? See, God can want to restore and save mankind all day long, but if mankind doesn't want it. It doesn't happen, does it? You know, John 3, and verse 16, incredible verse. It only works if man is obedient. Acts 2, 38, incredible verse. It only works if man is obedient. The dry bones and this whole picture of them coming back to life and being covered up again and breath being going back into them, that's an incredible vision, but it only works if man is willing and obedient. Look again at verse 11. These bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, that is the house of Israel, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Who did the house of Israel belong to? Israel is referred to as God's people, right? The chosen ones. Were they literally without hope? Were they literally lost? Were they literally cut off? No. They had forgotten where their hope lies. They had forgotten that they should not be those who grow tired and weary during times of great despair. They were not cut off. Look with me now, verse 12 and 13. The Bible tells us, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Look at verse twelve. What is he? How does he reference them? Why do use the term grave and bones in verse eleven and twelve? But you're talking about those who were seemingly spiritually dead. The grave is where you find the dead, right? And they were spiritually dead because why? We saw verse eleven. They were saying that their that they were their bones were dry, their hope is lost, and they themselves were cut off. Verse twelve, God says what that He's going to that He is going to prophesy using Ezekiel, and that He's going to bring them up out of He's going to open their graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you to the land of Israel, implying they're going to be restored and going to this place of Israel, right? But first, they had to come up out of the grave. They, they had to remember where their hope truly lies. Look at verse thirteen. Then you shall know when when these things happen, when I bring you to Israel, right? Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from, from your graves. Now they were they were coming up, dealing with captivity. And what was God going to do? Bring them to Israel, the land of Israel. Bring them to this place of safety. If what if they are willing to be obedient? Why you think about why captivity is always seems to always refer to those and apply to those who were not obedient to God? Why are people sent off into captivity? Because they're disobedient. They disobey God. Why were why did they wander the wilderness for 40 years? Because they did not believe in God. Wanderings and captivity are commonly referred and used re- reference to those who have not obeyed God. Look at verse 13. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, brought you back from your spiritual death, because that's where they were at because of their their thoughts towards God. Oh, my people, and brought you up from your graves. They will know that it is the Lord who has done this. Now, think about this for a second. Was there anyone else that could possibly do what God is promising to do? No. That's why God is saying I will do it because no one else, first of all, could do it. God is the one he restores because no one else can. Look at verse 14. He tells him here in verse 14, I'll put my spirit in you and you shall live and I'll place you in your own land and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. No one else could do it but me. He says i'll put my spirits in you meaning they will have what they'll have that renewed love for god the right spirit about him and shall live and i will place you in your own land isn't it interesting how god when he restores people he always says things that implies a sense of security your own land not a shared land but your own land Verse 14, Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Think about that phrase, have spoken it and performed it. I Meaning He said He was going to do it and He has done it. Then they will know, right? We you think about this valley of dry bones, have you ever felt like you have dried up in many ways, that your zeal for the Lord, your zeal for the church in general is just gone. The things you're once eager to be a part of or eager to do no longer exist. In you know, The world around us and sometimes it's just difficult situations have a way to kind of suck those things away, don't it? It's kind of like having a pot with a hole in the bottom. Sooner or later it's going to be empty, isn't it? The world has a way to be that hole in the bottom of our pot that causes us to have our zeal just slowly leak out. But the Lord can fix that problem, any problem we face. Because a lack of zeal, a lack of love for God, allowing ourselves to become like this valley of dry bones is not a state in which God wants us to be in. It's not a state which is pleasing to Him. Let's think about some more lessons for us today. God can raise up those without hope. It is easy to look around us today, and we can say this, I think, at numerous times throughout history, and think, what do we have, where can we find true and lasting hope? I hope we understand our hope is not in any form of government or any political leader, I don't care what their name is, our hope does not in any one of them. None of them. On either side, or whatever you want to call it, none of them give us the hope that God His Word gives us. So we you forget about all that. Remember our true, hope, relies Putting God first and being obedient to Him. You know, you think about Solomon going back to the book of Ecclesiastes, and the man who'd done so much and had so much in his life. What did he say at the end of his life? i about a man who did whatever he wanted. He literally did whatever he wanted. The Bible tells us whatever he had, he did not keep from himself, right? He tells us that back in chapter 2. But towards the end of that book, what does he tell us? Fear God and keep His commandments for this is man's all. I mean, that's all that matters. And yet here we are today, all those years later, we're still trying to put that and cement that in our own lives. We think about Bible verses uh, in Proverbs and Jeremiah. It reminds us that the way of man is not in himself, it's not a man who walks to direct his own steps, meaning we, do not, we should not be the one who guides our lives, But we should be the ones who allow God to, to guide our lives, right? We hear that, the question is, do we really believe it? The writer of those things seems to have believed it. The question is, do we? We can quote those verses all the time saying, I know the way of man is not in himself, but do we really believe it? Because we look in the mirror and examine our own lives and we're trying to do things our own way and trying to solve problems ourselves because we can't do that. When man tries to solve problems, we end up in a very bad position and we no doubt see that being on display today all around us. God can raise up those without hope. The Christian may feel in despair and and may feel in despair in hard and difficult to understand times. That means we may feel like we are without hope in those difficult and those hard to explain times in our lives. We may feel like we have no hope. I go back to Job. He had no idea what was going on. He lost his entire all his children most of his servants, most you know, all of his livestock, he didn't know anything about what God and Satan had their conversation was about. You think that was a hard and difficult to understand time? Yeah. Was he perfect throughout it? No, he wasn't. But he never abandoned God, which is what Satan wanted him to do. We think about men and women throughout the Bible who face difficult situations, thinking about Ruth and the situation she was put in, we think about other individuals like Esther. We think about Deborah. We think about men like Daniel, Abraham, Isaac. All those difficult situations they were placed in. Some did things better at other times than others. But friends, we can learn from their examples. It'll be a good example or a poor one. We can learn from it and know from their example what we ought to be doing and what we ought to be avoiding. This should not cause us to feel as if God has left us. Again, their dry bones in the valley showed they had lost hope, right? But God is the one who brought them to life. He is the one who restores us still today. God was the one who was responsible for them coming out of that dry valley, right? Again, that's a vision, but they were coming out of their valley of despair in a spiritual sense. Look at Psalm 69 verses 14 and 15. Here the writer says, deliver me out of the mire and let not me sink. Let, not, let me not be delivered from those who hate me and out of, the, out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up and let not the pit shut its mouth on me. He lists different things, right? His enemies in verse 14, he mentions just really the idea of journal hardships in verse 15, not allowing the deep waters to, to overcome him, not allowing the flood water to overflow me. He says in verse 15, Not allowing to pit, to shut its mouth on me. That's a reference to all kinds of difficulties, isn't it? You know, oftentimes in the Psalms, we find those who reference their enemies. And sometimes their enemies are not listed at all. Just simply things like, don't let the pit shut its mouth on me. What is he talking about? Don't let me give up in these difficult times. That's the way I think about it in many ways. Don't let me just be swallowed up in despair. Let me just become nothing. One thing about those who get swallowed up in despair or get caught up in difficult times: How can we know that the, the water they have allowed the water to overflow them? They allow the pit to shut its mouth upon them. The first way we know is we stop seeing them, don't we? We stop seeing them. We stop seeing them here with us. But who is the one we find here in verses 14 to 15 that can keep us from being swallowed up in the mire? Who is the one who will keep us from allowing the pit to shut itself over us? God. In Ezekiel, specifically, obedience to God's word. It is his word that brings life, isn't it? The same can be said here in Psalm 69, 14 to 15. God is the one who restores us still today. Through obedience, we rise out of the dark pit of worldliness. We rise out of the dark pit of sin. The Lord lifts those who obey out of the world. You know, those of Israel there—if there was sin involved—and no doubt, I'm sure that was part of it. As they said, they had—they thought they had no hope. They've been cut off. Is that okay? For them to think that? No. They need to get their mind right as well, don't they? The Lord lifts those who obey. Out of the world, as we find here in Colossians 2, verses 12 and 13. Buried with him in baptism, which you also were raised with him through faith, and the working of God who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all you forgiven you all trespasses. What is he talking about? Their obedience, their, their sins, have been forgiven, and he raised them up to be what? To be with him. Romans says us he raises up to walk with him in newness of life, that is, as a new creature in Christ. The Lord lifts those who obey out of the world. We also need to remember that the Lord is a restorer. He's one he restores, not one he tears down. He tears down the wicked, but not the righteous. Look with me, look with me there in Psalm 23. We're gonna look at just two verses. Psalm 23, verses three and four notice what he says here he says he restores my soul he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they you comfort me he doesn't talk about how how everything is always going well does he verse 4 is a reference to how sometimes in life things that seem like a valley of the shadow of death that's pretty gruesome isn't it it seems like we could die at any moment Loved ones in the hospitals, homes wiped off the map thanks to big storms, whatever it may be. But look what he says in verse four. I will fear no evil for you are what? With me. That was a problem with Israel in Ezekiel 37. They thought their hope was gone. They didn't know the Lord was still with them. He is the same one who's telling them, I can bring you back to life. I can open your graves and bring you back to life. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Today we might say that God's word and our fellowship with him is what brings us comfort. By obedience to God's word, we can know that we are his. 1 John chapter 5 tells us that, doesn't it? By this we know him that we keep his commandments. We can have that assurance. We can have comfort knowing God is with us even in difficult times. The valley of dry bones reminds us never to lose hope. As we find in Ezekiel thirty-seven fourteen, 14, what's he tell them? I will bring you up. I'll put my spirit in you. You shall live and I will place you in your own land. And You shall know that, that, that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Sounds like hope to me, doesn't it? You're once in this valley of dry bones, you once, as he says here, like you were in your grave, so he's going to bring them up if they will hope in him. Ask yourself a few questions as we get ready to close this morning. Do Do you need to be raised up? Do you need to put your hope in God? Because if it's not in God, it must be somewhere else. Everyone at some point in their lives will need to be encouraged. And there's no greater source of encouragement than the word of God itself. We are reminded of men and women in the Bible who endured horrible things, but God was with them. We know men and women in the Bible who loved the Lord with all their heart and still things went bad, but they never put their faith in someone other than God. And we also see what happens when some of them failed to put their faith in God which reminds us to not react in the same ways that they did you know we think about Job we didn't understand everything can we follow all of Job's example throughout the book no because he makes some pretty bold statements and we can learn from that reaction can't we we also can learn from men like Daniel and the three friends Shadrach Meshach and Abednego Daniel should have died in the lion's den lions don't usually sit down and do nothing, do they? Fires destroy unless God is with you, as like the three friends of, of Daniel, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego; those three friends, right? See, friends, we have to remember that the Lord and our fellowship with Him, our loyalty to Him, that changes everything. So let's be those, who never are those who can say that we feel like a valley of dry bones. When said we shake the dust off, we put God first, we open up our Bibles and we have closed them and we get back to where we ought to be. Because friends, the last thing the world needs when they look at the church is see a valley of dry bones. They need to see as what's pictured there with Israel, an army of believers.